Hello. How are you doing? I am supposed to be in Austin right now. I had scheduled some time this afternoon to sit by the pool. But alas, that is not happening because there was such a severe snowstorm in Minnesota that they closed the airport, which I've actually never seen them do before. Like I'm I'm sure it happens, but it's pretty good at dealing with snow. So the fact that the snow was severe enough to ground all the planes and necessitate me deciding not to go to Austin, you know, just how it goes sometimes. So uh, that's a bummer, but here I am on the mic with y'all. I wanted to let you all know that I'm doing a virtual book club on December 15th. That's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And it's really a big Zoom call, but it's a Zoom call where I'm going to talk a little bit about holidays and grief and offer some stories and some suggestions and perhaps a few uh, points of discussion or some practices that you can do in real time. It's really for anyone who's experiencing some heaviness this holiday season, whether that's due to grief because of the loss of a loved one or any number of other sources of grief that can affect how we show up in what is supposed to be a super joyous, but is actually like a really stressful time of year. So if you would like to join us for that conversation, December 15th, 7 p.m. Eastern, the price of admission is a copy of the book, Touching Two Worlds. So pick up a copy and then you can email me a copy of your receipt and I will email you back the Zoom instructions. It's a little wonky, but I'm told that that's how authors do this. I'm hoping that the snow clears out enough for me to head out for the Zen Founder Couples Retreat next week. I am super excited about hosting a small group of couples and what I am very confident is going to be like a very amazing, deepening and enriching experience. If this is something that you and your partner are interested in participating in in the future, the best way to keep track of all that um, I'm doing or working on or hosting is to sign up for the Zen Founder mailing list. It is short and sweet. It comes twice a month. It's not overwhelming in any way. And to do that, you can drop your email address into the, you know, sign up for the mailing address form at zenfounder.com. My guest on the podcast today is Dr. Steve Thayer. He is a fellow psychologist who has an interest in entrepreneurial mental health. He and I also share an interest in kind of this new wave of research around how psychedelic science can help folks who are suffering from mental illness or folks who really just want to optimize or improve their performance. He is a wonderful human to have a conversation with. He's a father, husband, military veteran, absolute outdoor lover, kind of a sci-fi nerd, and also a podcast host. He hosts a show called Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers, sponsored by Newmanis. And I was lucky enough to be a guest on his show back in August. Highly recommend you check out that conversation, which is a little bit more focused on grief, a bit on psychedelic psychotherapy. But our conversation today on the Zen Founder Podcast focuses on our shared passion for entrepreneur mental health. So it's a treat to highlight Steve's work, and I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means. Sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling, 
I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. So it is, it's a pretty special treat for me as an entrepreneurial-oriented clinical psychologist to find another one because <laughs> I don't, I don't, there aren't many of us that are clinical psychologists who are really thinking about the mental well-being of entrepreneurs. So I'm curious, Dr. Steve, how did you, how did you kind of come into this new interest or this interest in, in serving entrepreneurs? You know, I, I'm a weird puzzle piece because I, I, came to my profession as a clinical psychologist very traditionally. You know, went to graduate school, imagined myself being a therapist in the trenches, helping people one session at a time. And along the way, I got kind of frustrated with, one, how much or how little I could help people, and two, how little I could develop, at least the way that I felt, I could develop professionally. Like, there seemed to be a pretty hard ceiling on what uh, how much money I could make, for example, and how quickly I could get to financial independence, um, but also how creatively I could build a business around professional helping. So I got obsessed with entrepreneurship, having never been an entrepreneur. You know, I, like most people in this space, I read Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. I started listening to his podcast. I started listening to all these. I'm a podcast fanatic, but started listening to all these business podcasts and read books on entrepreneurship. <laughs> but funny enough, never had the courage to to do it, like to start a business. I worked for, I was in the U.S. military for four years as a psychologist, the giant, biggest bureaucracy in the world, and have been working for other companies ever since until recently, decided to finally jump into the deep waters of entrepreneurship. Ooh, how's it, how's it going? <laughs> How are you managing your own psychology with the ups and downs of entrepreneurship? It's it's taking all of my uh, my <laughs> all of my psychologist Jedi powers to keep my head above water. I'll I'll tell you that. But you know, one of the things I've learned as a professional helper is that it's important to get help yourself. So when I decided to take this leap into my own little entrepreneurial journey, I I hired help. I hired a coach to help me through it, and he's been tremendously helpful. If I could ask, what have been the maybe mindset challenges that have been front and center for you or the things that you've worked through with your coach to help you feel best prepared to jump into entrepreneurship? Yeah, a couple of them come to mind. One is getting really clear with who I am trying to serve and what I can help them uncover, heal, or transform. As a therapist, as a community therapist, I sort of just took whoever came through the door right? Uh, I have a lot of different skills in a lot of different areas. If I take your insurance, if you're willing to pay the small cash rate that a, a you know, run-of-the-mill therapist charges, I'm your guy. I'll do my best to help. But uh, So I've never done any marketing around a particular niche. And so he's helping me and has helped me get more specific because the more specific, the more I can communicate to my potential client, hey, this is the kind of human I serve, and they can see, oh my gosh, that's me, then the more confidence they have in the process. And the more confident I am, I can help them because, hey, I painted this avatar that you fit into for a reason because I, I feel confident that I can help uh, that type of person. So that's one. And then another is around money. Like we all have our own money stories, you know? I was raised by a man who was born the year the Great Depression started in 1929. 
and my mother was a, is a boomer. They were 20 years apart. So I got these very different money stories from a generational perspective. Seeing my mom spend money and my dad stockpile soap in the, in the basement, thinking that at any moment the stock market was going to crash. Like from the hotels, you just like collect the extra oh, soap. Yeah. And yeah. We actually definitely had hotel soap. So, you know, I developed some weirdness around money and then see, I have, I'm one of six children. I have three brothers and all of them are, are wildly financially successful in their own right. And I took this comparatively humble path of helper, of psychotherapist in my case. So helping me kind of think about money in a healthier way, that money is energy, that uh, it's okay actually to want to have enough money to be financially independent, to actually even use the word wealthy was, I mean, it almost made me want to puke. Just because like a judgment a lot, I don't know if you it. felt this yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know if you felt this way, Sherry, but a lot of therapists do this sort of martyrdom complex where they don't want to charge for their services because they feel like they're out here to save the world. Yeah. And I struggle with, well, I wouldn't say I struggle with it that much anymore, but especially at the beginning in my life as a a more traditional therapist, there's that sense in which most people are coming because of like bad things that have happened to them. And so the idea that you're in some way financially profiting from like other people's bad experiences just never feels right. Of course, there's all kinds of energy and training and other things that you're providing that that have significant value. But I think, yeah, there's there's just some complexity around charging money to help people through pain. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. But I think for most of us, we're called to this work because we care, right? We're sensitive. Uh, maybe we wanted to figure out how to fix our own problems or address our own pain. And so we got into psychology to figure us out and then in the meantime, help other people. So it can, it can feel kind of weird and complicated to charge what we think is a lot of money for professional help. Even though, as you said, we're potentially delivering priceless value. I mean, tremendous value in a person's life. One of the things that you mentioned just offline is that when you selected your coach, like your coach is very expensive for you. You know, it's it's a significant investment. It's like, whoa, big dollar signs. But that felt like an important process in you getting yourself ready to, to be able to charge what feels like big dollar signs, but also is very tied to deep value to something that you can really provide to someone. Yeah. In fact, you just reflecting that back to me is helping me reflect on why it was so helpful to spend that much money on him. Because I've had a lot of therapists. It's not uncommon for therapists to, to have a lot of therapy, right? We got to sort of keep our heads above water. I've probably had seven different therapists since I was 21. And I've spent more on this coach than I did all seven of those therapists combined. Because some of them were free because they were through VA healthcare. I'm a veteran. Some of them I paid cash for and some of them were through insurance. And as a result, Sherry, I've probably tried harder with this coach than I tried with the therapists. I'm just sort of, this is emerging for me right now. So thanks. I'll, I'll pay you later for the session, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a big bell. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, I mean, a big invoice. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it was a s significant investment for me, this, this coach, and he's helped me significantly. But yeah, I think I've put more into it too, because it was a lot on the table for me. I did actually the same thing. I went out and found a coach that charged what I wanted to charge, <laughs> the number that felt kind of scary to me. But I hired her at that level and was kind of like, what am I going to get for this dollar amount? But also that sense of really being able to lead 
with my own soul first to say, I value this investment in my personal growth, in my work as a, as a businesswoman. I value like the cultivation of these skills within myself. And I need a guide who's going to help me and I'm willing to invest in it. Yeah. Another thing I think I've been thinking about lately is the kinds of people that you and I are trying to serve. People who have, they're hard chargers, they're creative, they have lots of energy, but they're, they're wounded, right? They struggle in a lot of ways. Sure. They might look at value, monetary value, a little bit differently than somebody like myself who was raised middle class or whatever you want to call it. And so if you come in and say, yeah, my session is sort of the standard 125 bucks an hour or whatever, right? Like the, pick, your, pick your average rate for a psychotherapist who has a, a PhD running rate. You know, these guys and gals spend 30 grand a month on their lawn care. Like, I mean, if, if you come in saying, I'm here to deliver something that I think could possibly change your life and it costs less than what they spent on something relatively, at least by comparison, frivolous, you're going to have a hard time convincing them that this is valuable. Also, I do think that there's a, well, there's lots of ways to understand the value that this kind of work brings to someone. But one of the, the quick things that I point to when I'm working with like a, a, a leadership team is something like the cost of replacing an executive can be $150,000 to $200,000 by the time you hire a headhunter, go through the interview process. So if you're a CEO and you really want to retain your team, you like your team, you want to keep them happy and healthy and not burnt out and well-connected, you know, hiring you or me at a fraction of that, or maybe not a fraction, but less than that number to help really dive in and help that team be healthy tends to be a really smart financial decision for that CEO who wants to keep their team well. So there's certainly like very concrete ways to make the metrics work. But one thing that I wanted to ask you about is how are you doing with being referred to as a coach? Oh my gosh. You know, I'm ashamed to admit this, but, uh, you and I have a degree, sort of the, the the most difficult degree to get as a psychotherapist. I guess difficult in the sense that it, it's a lot of schooling, right? We have we have a PhD, we have a, a, a doctorate. So in the process of doing all that hard work and committing all that time and money, when I think of the word coach, what pops into my mind is like the 21-year-old who decides one weekend they want to be a life coach and all of a sudden they're a life coach, right? They don't have to go. Or like they took a certificate online. Right. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's not uncommon for people in the psychotherapy world to kind of look down their noses at the, the coaching world. And so this was the attitude I, I kind of brought to the coaching space until I was exposed to some, holy cow, really impressive people who call themselves coaches. People who are doing transformational work. So I've been learning at the feet of coaches lately and learning what's possible. And, you know, coaching is not necessarily a regulated industry. So there's some pros and cons to that, but that affords them a little bit more creativity in what they do for people and how they, who they can serve. And that is, I, I think, one of the things that I most enjoy about being on Team Coach now. Although sometimes I do get a little, like, bustly about, like, I'm a doctor. But uh, <laughs> coaching does also afford a lot of flexibility and creativity. And so I think the ability to work with folks anywhere and the ability to work in unique and interesting ways um, is really something that I enjoy very much. Yeah, it's something that I'm excited about uh, continuing to develop with my own coaching practice. 
because I still work, I, I still work as a psychotherapist. I do psychedelic assisted psychotherapy now. I work for a company called Numinous right now, and I'm involved in in psychedelic clinical trials. We just closed a clinical trial studying the effectiveness of uh, psilocybin, the psychedelic compound in so-called magic mushrooms, for treating major depressive disorder. And I'm I'm headed to Colorado in a few weeks to go get trained in MDMA assisted psychotherapy by the MAPS organization, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. So. I, I love pursuing that part of my career. And uh, frankly, a lot of my coaching clients that I've gotten so far are people who they need expert help. They are they have plenty of resources, right? These aren't the people who necessarily are in bed trying to decide whether or not they're going to take their own lives. These are people who have resources, but they're still struggling. And many of them have discovered psychedelics, right? Many of them have gone to South America and had ayahuasca, or they've gone to Austin, Texas and had ayahuasca. Austin, yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, they've found some mushrooms or, you know, they went to a party or whatever. Their psyche has been cracked open by these psychedelic experiences, even maybe well-intentioned. They went to some, what I've been affectionately referring to as backyard shamans, but they need more support. More thoughtful reorganization. Yeah. There you go. And that's what I've developed an expertise in is psychedelic integration and processing and, and helping people make the best of those experiences. Yeah. Which I, th- I feel like is really one of those things for folks who are just learning about psychedelic supported therapy. Maybe they've read Michael Pollan's book or seen the Netflix series, but there's certainly like a lot of curiosity around how these substances are used in healing journeys. But really from where I sit, and I think we sort of share this perspective, is that integration piece is kind of the difference between a thoughtful reconstruction or a thoughtful healing journey and maybe quote unquote doing drugs. Like how do you intentionally interact with that experience in such a way that it brings about the kind of change you desire? And that's where, you know, your work as an integration coach or integration therapist is so important. Yeah, expertly said. Yeah, I think uh, psychedelics are these strange, sometimes we call them non-specific amplifiers. And your experience with a psychedelic, unlike other substances, is profoundly affected by the intention, as you described, that you bring to the experience, which is why people can, you know, let's say they they grew up doing LSD at festivals and concerts, and then they come in for a guided LSD experience, and it's a completely different experience, even if it was the same dose or something like that. And then knitting all that together and integrating it, this term integration that you used is used often in the psychedelic therapy world to refer to the, the, the behaviors, the actions, uh, the processes we go through to make sense of a psychedelic experience and make use of a psychedelic experience. And not all of them are, uh, <laughs> we can't make sense of every psychedelic experience and sometimes can't make use of it in a, in a super practical way, but that's the effort with integration. What are some of the challenges that you've encountered in entrepreneurs specifically that, you know, they're, they're bringing to conversations with you that stand out to you as maybe unique entrepreneurial challenges? Yeah. Entrepreneurs are an interesting breed of human I'm discovering. <laughs> and I'm discovering that I am Welcome one. to the dark side. You yeah. know, it's funny because I, as I said before, I, I grew up not thinking I was an entrepreneur, that entrepreneurs were this creature I was going to study. <laughs> I was going to study and help. And then, um, 
you know, later discovered that I'm so drawn to it because I am one. I'm this latent entrepreneur, somebody who wants to have control over the creativity of his day-to-day life, someone who wants to create something in the world that has an impact. And certainly the the lure of the lifestyle of an independent entrepreneur is, is a shiny one. So what I've what I'm learning about a lot of entrepreneurs, and not not all of them, we can't overgeneralize too much, is that they often have what I call a, an emotional double-edged sword at the heart of what drives them. Most of the, the emotions or the, the internal parts that we deal with are double-edged, but entrepreneurs have some interesting ones. For example, sometimes what drives an entrepreneur is this intense pressure to optimize. We gotta make sure that this product is optimal. We gotta make sure that our revenue is optimal. We cannot fail, cannot fail, cannot fail. And sometimes that drives them to accomplish incredible things. That drive is rare and it can produce pretty incredible things in the world. But it's that's the, maybe the arguably the positive end of the edge of the sword, but there's that negative edge where they have a hard time letting go of that perfectionism. They have a hard time iterating and prototyping because they won't allow themselves to fail. And if you switch from just the business focus to their personal life, that negative edge is cutting deep. It's cutting deep into their physical, emotional health. It might be cutting deep into their relational health with a family or a partner or friends. So what I'm trying to help some of my entrepreneurial clients to do is to generate awareness around both edges of that sword and address the quote unquote negative edge and maybe blunt it a bit. We can't get rid of it. It's there. It's in fact, it's uh, it's two sides of the same coin, two edges of the same sword. Unless we get rid of the sword, we can't get rid of it. But maybe we understand it, we heal it, and then hone that positive edge. Sometimes that means giving up a little bit of your drive, but ultimately healthier person. And what I've noticed is that when entrepreneurs are healthier, their their businesses usually do better anyway. 100%. 100%. I've seen it over and over and over. I love the idea of this awakened business person because especially if you have a purpose-driven business, purpose meaning a purpose besides just making a bunch of money, which I don't mind. Money's awesome. We've now decided there's nothing wrong with that. Right. <laughs> Still working on it, but yes, there's, there's now a healthy part of me that's decided there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of entrepreneurs do bring their passions into their business, right? It's that drive is then is fueled by a curiosity or a problem they want to solve or a deep love of some nerdy piece of science or nerdy application of code. And I can use the word nerdy because I am nerdy. So there's something that sort of comes from inside an entrepreneur that gets fused or, or sort of put forward into their business that, you know, a lot of folks are making businesses that are, are deeply intertwined with their identity. Which I've noticed makes them higher stakes. Yes. Right? It, it's, yeah. al- it's already high stakes when you got to make money, when you got to please investors. But man, if this is something that's near and dear to your heart, then the stakes are even higher. If it's a piece of you, yeah. And, you know, in my work recently, especially, there's a lot of conversation around grief and people who've been listening to the podcast sort of know all about why that is. But bringing in this language of grief to entrepreneurs is something that they maybe want to have a touch point to, but like also feels really uncomfortable. Like this idea that you would emotionally process the potential loss of your business or the loss of your plans or the ways that things don't work out the way that you plan. It's not something that any entrepreneur is comfortable with. And it also, it seems like an inevitable 
stop on the entrepreneurial journey. I haven't met an entrepreneur yet who, for whom everything has gone according to plan. Oftentimes they end up where in places they didn't expect. And sometimes that's amazing, but man, the journey is, is always a rocky one. Which is where I think folk like you can come alongside and help provide some stability and ability to kind of process through the ups and downs of the journey in ways that can help people feel less alone, but also just more resourced for what can ultimately feel like whiplash or lots of bumper cars or whatever analogy you want to use to what it feels like to be intensely experiencing some highs and lows. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I'm so excited to meet you, another psychologist coach, because I think there's there's a lot of power and credibility that a trained mental health professional can bring to a coaching relationship that is harder to predict in sort of the, in just, I don't know what you would call them, but a, a, a pure coach. <laughs> I don't want to call them just a coach because as I said before, I've met some coaches that could run circles around a lot of therapists I know. But yeah, we, we, we bring a certain level of training, but also a, a kind of attitude that uh, you might not necessarily find and, and you roll the dice when you're getting a coach. Yeah. One of the things that's been funny for me to talk about with people, and I'm curious about your take with this, is people will ask me like, well, what's your method? Sort of like, what's your like five-step plan to move me from here to there? And I basically am like, I have no method, but I'm really good at what I do. And you're just going to have to trust me. And some people that works for, and some people they're like, what? You don't have a five-step plan? Like, and I'll say like, you know, I don't really have worksheets. Like there's not a workbook. That's my method, but I've sat with thousands of folks in all kinds of conversations and you're in good hands. How do you broach that? Has anybody asked you that yet? Oh, for sure. I even at one point thought I needed one. Like I need to come up with the Dr. Steve Thayer method of fixing your shit. But like, my coach has actually kind of helped me with this because one of the things I've noticed is that there are people who care about the method and a lot of those people are anxious, right? They, they want to know exactly how you're going to help them and they want to know exactly what it's going to be like every step of the way. But let me tell you folks, if somebody has a five-step or equivalent method and they're saying they promise that this method is going to get you from A to Z, I would be skeptical because human beings are really, really unique, complicated creatures. And if I claim that I have a thing that's going to fix everybody, I'm probably full of crap. Or at least it's not going to fix everybody. It'll fix some, or fix, I hate the word fix, but it'll it'll help or assist some people, right? That's not to say some of these methods out there aren't awesome. Some of them are awesome. And yes, I do use certain methods in my work. But instead of having a Dr. Steve's five-step method, I, I have filled my mind and my body and my soul with as much wisdom and skill as I possibly can. And I bring all of that to each individual that's sitting in front of me. And after I get to know them and get a sense for what they need and what they might respond to, then I reach into the grab bag of stuff and I custom make an approach for each person. And it's going to have the Steve Thayer flavor to it. That's cool. That's good because you, if you, I don't know if any of your listeners have ever hired a coach or a therapist, goodness of fit is 50% at least. So you want to make sure that you like the flavor that you're getting. Yeah. And I, I love that description, but it's this like highly customized, like I show up for you with you because of who you are. Like that's tailored to what you're bringing and what you need. So 
Right. I had a client ask me once at the beginning of a session, so what's the agenda day? And I said, you are. Uh, yes. And then I was just quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I love the therapist trick of being quiet. We're so good at that. We just wait. <laughs> the awkward silence is like our battle axe. Yeah, it's... It's our specialty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> but it does, um, it does create that space for people to have a pause that allows them to reshift what they're thinking and... Yeah. And it also shifts the ownership back to them, in my experience. I mean, they are coming to you and paying you good money for help. But the kind of help that I'm giving them is not telling them what to do every step of the way. For me, in fact, what I want to do is I want to create clients who don't need me anymore. I, I, I want to help clients transcend, right? I want to help them dive deep. I want to help them understand, confront, heal, and transcend. And part of transcendence is is uh, not needing at least my kind of help in the immediate moment anymore. They might return to coaching over and over again, which is cool. I've returned to therapy for different reasons throughout my life. We have different chapters and different stops on the path, but I'm trying to get them inner resourced. So yeah, I, I, I don't have a method that's going to apply to everybody. I, w I want to, to help you create your own. I will say from my practice, I've I sort of started out thinking, you know, I think the like Minimum viable investment here is two sessions a month for maybe six months. Like, let's talk about kind of a package of 12. That's how I broach the commitment level with my potential clients. And the vast majority of folks stay in conversation with me much, much longer, sometimes years and years. And I've also really come to find that as a very useful, I don't know, like, strategy or our way of thinking about the coaching work is that because the businesses go up and down and change so dramatically because family and life change so dramatically, like I find that the consistency in that coaching relationship where I have then all of this historical memory about their business, about different aspects of their life actually becomes super valuable to an entrepreneur. So just, just a reflection, like I, I really thought as you're alluding to, I want to replace myself. Like I want to help people grow so that they've outgrown me or don't need me anymore. And yes, and sometimes I think folks are so grateful for that year in, year out, like very consistent sounding board. So lots of different ways to do it. It's definitely a yes and for me because it can be so helpful to have you know, you could call it a mentor, you could call it a sounding board, you could call it a consultant, a coach, somebody who's outside enough, but inside enough that they can give you accurate feedback is priceless for a lot of people. And so it's for that reason, I typically won't enroll a client for anything less than six months. You know, that those ups, ups and downs you described, I mean, they happen in anybody's life, but they happen in, in particular with an entrepreneur, especially people who are early in the game, you know, the, the founders. There's so much up and down, so much turmoil. You can leave one session feeling like you're indestructible and you're going to conquer the world. And then two days later, you're just completely in the ditch. Yep. It happens to all of us, but I do think you're right about it. It's the time intensity is amplified with entrepreneurs trying to do things quickly and meaningfully with a lot of intensity. You know, I've heard the term performance coach. That This thing about coaches, there's lots of ex-coach. So there's executive coach, there's performance coach, personal development coach. And to be frank, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to 
pick one of those, even if I should, right? Like, I'm going to help you be the best you. That just sounds super generic, hard to communicate what we can do for people. But one thing I have found is that if they come in for, let's say, example, they're expecting performance coaching, they might expect like, all right, you're going to make me even more productive. You're going to make it so that I can produce even more. And they might expect coaching of that type, like, okay, this is how we're going to make you more of a hard charger. And it's been an interesting puzzle to help people solve. Like, no, actually, if you want to be more productive, you got to chill out first. Like, like sometimes it's the doing of less, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's the pause yeah. that increases your performance, but it's opposite of how you think. Yep. I totally, I think like the optimization movement, the performance coach conversation, I like those frameworks because I do think that my work is in helping people optimize the moments of their life and it's in helping them enhance performance, but it's usually accomplished through a method that's very different than what they expect. So that sometimes feels surprising. Yeah. It makes me think of the, uh, the old Navy SEAL phrase, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. You know, you want to see, if you want to speed up, you got to slow down. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the conversation, Dr. Steve. I think it's been really lovely to connect with another psychologist with very, very similar interests and direction. And for folks that want to learn more about what you're offering and, and maybe even do a deeper dive into this world of, you know, psychedelic work, where can people learn more about you? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I have a website, Dr. Steve Thayer, T H A Y E R dot com. Um, and there, if you're interested in working with me, you can apply to work with me as a coach. I also have a podcast called Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers that I co host with my colleague, Dr. Reed Robison, psychiatrist. And we just had Sherry on our podcast. So. Woo-hoo. Go over there and listen to her episode. And then I'm also in, on Instagram. I, I avoid other uh, social media platforms like The Plague, but I, I, ha- I have developed a fondness for Instagram. So I, I post a few things there every once in a while. So you're welcome to reach out to me there as well. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm up to in the world. Amazing. Well, I, I, I'll just put out there in the world. I hope this is the first of many conversations that we get to have. So Likewise. Glad you're out there in the world and, and doing the good work. Doing my best. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.